0: It's good to be back again. I didn't get lost this time like I did last week, and I thank God for that. Bay City is pretty easy to find. It's just getting around what you get in Bay City that I find hard. We're from Owasso, which is a town of about 14,000 people, and uh, it's got two stoplights, and you will never miss going through the stoplight. You know, you don't have to sit there for two uh, red lights to get through. I mean, it's just a little town, really, and so... This is big time for me to come to. I'm a retired pastor, as mentioned last week, uh, from Olasso. I was at, at pastoring was my third career. I built homes in northern Michigan for about five years. I was with Adidas Athletics. He was traveling the state of Michigan for 11 years. Um, How many of you know how to pronounce the word Adidas? Adidas. Uh, isn't that something? It's Adidas. You, maybe you've heard that before. The, the name comes from the owner. He's from Germany. He's passed away since. But his name is Adi Daswitz. So it's Adi Das. In case you ever had that on trivia, I don't want you missing it, okay? Work with me. Witnessing. I, I would ask that you help give Pastor Mark uh, a gift. As he comes back, and that is to become witnesses in your community. Not street corner witnessing, but witnessing to the people you work around, witnessing to your neighbors, witnessing to the people in the grocery store that are in the line ahead of you that take forever to get through, and witnessing to <laughs> all sorts of people. That's what witnessing is all about. And that's what we started talking about yesterday, but uh, witnessing. I mean, there's all sorts of programs out there to grow a church, but witnessing will do it faster than anything. Witnessing, if, if each one of us would go out and witness for the next year or the next two years to one person, the church would grow, I'll guarantee you that. And so I would ask that you give Pastor Mark a present and and, uh, and and seriously consider it um, if if you don't, I'll never speak to you again. That's all there is to it. I just want to get that straight, okay? But we we grow fearful in witnessing, don't we? We grow fearful. We're so afraid to do it because we're afraid we're going to say the wrong thing. We're, we're afraid we're going to put somebody so far behind, taking two steps back away from Christ rather than two steps towards him. And so witnessing is a tough business. It's a scary business for us to do. It's like five women driving down the highway at 22 miles an hour. The one woman was driving and, I mean, it was a two-lane highway and cars were backed up for a couple of miles going 22 miles an hour and they couldn't pass. Finally, a policeman pulled the lady over and said, lady, how fast are you going? She said, I'm going 22 miles an hour, not one mile per hour, not one hundred. Well, do you know what the speed limit is here? It's 55 mile miles. No, it's not. There's a sign back there that says M21 miles per hour, 21 <laughs> uh-huh. And that's it. And you look in the back seat, and there's three ladies back there. They were hanging on to each other's hands and they were just trembling. There was, and he looked back and he said, What is going on? What is wrong with you? And the middle lady said, What? What you just, were you just were, it's got off Highway 101. <laughs> 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 Oof. Can you imagine that? And I'm going a miles per hour a <laughs> But at church growth it is it's something that's important, but and it comes with witnessing. Witnessing, again, I told you this last week, is not evangelism. When you witness to somebody, you, according to the definition of witnessing, you're not trying to lead somebody to Christ. You're trying to help them see what Christ has done in your life. You can tell them what he's done in your life. You can't tell him that the people down the street have been healing people because you didn't see it. But you can tell the people what Christ has been doing in your personal life. And that's what witnessing is. Witnessing is not scripture memory. I use one verse, you'll see later in the message, one verse in my personal testimony, but you don't have to have memorize 24 verses or 86 verses or whatever. You don't have to do that. That's not witnessing. You don't have to understand theology. You don't understand the diff- have to understand the difference between Calvinism and Arminianism and Pentecostalism and I spoke at a camp in northern Michigan uh, two weeks ago and uh, they're Mennonites. I didn't have to think anything about it. I didn't have to know what they believed. I know What the Bible tells us, and I know what Christ has done in my life, and witnessing, I mentioned this, is not, is not a spiritual obligation. It's not something you have to do to make the pastor happy. It's not something you have to do to make Jesus happy, though he will be, but to earn respect or anything. That's not what witnessing is. Witnessing is something you do from the heart. It comes very natural, as I mentioned last week. You don't even realize you're doing it when you're doing it because it comes so, so natural. A definition of a witness is one who has seen or heard or experienced something and therefore can give a first hand account. That's what a witness is someone who has seen or heard something. And therefore, can give a firsthand account. I can tell you a a couple things about what I found. We were at a family reunion up in northern Michigan, my Uncle Kenton's farm. Kenton Emerson lived here, actually, in Bay City. He's the only Emerson that did that I know of. And uh, Uncle Kenton had this this farm up there that was his second home, kind of, and it was way out in Podunk. That's where my dad was born in Podunk. And uh, there were some of us cousins. I was about 15, 14, 15 years old. There were some of us cousins that uh, decided to go out in the barn and play in the hayloft. So we did. And I looked. Did I tell you this story last week? No? Okay. Okay. Some people are laughing at me. I didn't want to know what I was doing wrong. <laughs> I, I looked in that hayloft, and way, way, way up there was this little hole about that big around. And there was a ladder that went all the way up there. I thought, I could see for miles and miles if I climbed that ladder. So I did. I went up that ladder, and there was a platform there, and I stood there for about five seconds looking out that little hole up there, way at the peak of the barn. But I wasn't the only one up there. There was two or three hornets' nests up there. And they started stinging me. And they heard. I don't know if you've ever been stung by a hornet, but they heard. I went down that ladder so fast. I mean, I was just running down the ladder, and I think I jumped the last 10, 15 feet into the hay. And I can witness to you that hornets can jump as fast as I can. Because <laughs> they were stinging me amid my jump. I am a witness to what hornets teeth stings feel like. And I can tell you, they hurt. And I can tell you, they can go down a ladder faster than I can. Because I've witnessed that personally. Witnessing, a witness is one who has seen or heard or experienced something and therefore can give a first-hand report. Turn with me to Acts, the first chapter, if you would. That's where we started. That's where we're going to start again this week. Acts, the first chapter, chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus is talking, this is just before he ascended into heaven. He died on the cross, he was raised from the dead by the Holy Spirit, he walked on earth for 40 days, and now he's meeting with his disciples. For the the last time on this earth. What he says to him here is probably the most important thing he's ever said to his disciples. He said in Acts 1 8, but you'll receive power. Remember that. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. He's not just talking to the disciples, he's talking to every single one of us. Again, it's not evangelism. Evangelism is a spiritual gift. This is witnessing, and we're all to be witnesses according to this scripture. And Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then, and I add the word then, I admit that, and then you will be my witnesses. In other words, do not try witnessing without the power of the Holy Spirit. Everyone is called to be a disciple. The disciples saw so many things while they walked on earth. They saw the lame to walk, the blind to see, the leper to be healed. And Jesus expected them to go and tell people about that. Tell people what they've witnessed. Now, I can't do that. I haven't seen people raised from the dead. I haven't seen a lot of things. But I know what Jesus has done in my life. And it was a miracle what he did. It just blessed me so much. It blessed our family so much. If everyone were to speak, she would tell you that, right? Okay. Okay. As long as you're with me, honey. (laughs) Jesus wants us to use the power he has given us. And that power is the fruit of the spirit to witness. Love. When we love somebody, we win the right to speak into their lives. Joy. When we're joyful around people, they want us to speak into their lives. When we're at peace with people, instead of condemning them and pointing the finger at them and telling them all the things they're doing wrong, when we're at peace with people and they know they're doing stuff wrong because of the life we're living, that's, we earn the right to speak into their life. When we're kind towards people, we earn the right to speak into their life. The fruit of the Spirit is, I told you last last week, is more powerful than a nuclear bomb. It is. It can change a life faster than a nuclear bomb can. So, what must we do to be a witness? We must earn the right to speak into somebody's life. Now you don't do that walking up to them. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to walk up to somebody or sit by somebody on the plane and talk to them about Jesus. I'm not saying that's wrong. And sometimes you've done you can do that. I did that a lot when I was flying around the country with the deeds. But this is something that works long range when you Practice love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, in the presence of someone. The fruit of the Spirit makes you a light to the people. And people want what you have. Okay, that's the first part of witnessing. That's what we talked about last week. And that's something that's so easy, you don't know, you know you're doing it. Allowing the fruit of the Spirit to flow through you. Allowing your heart just to love people around you. That's an amazing thing. It is. Because in this world, it's not happening. In case you've not been out lately, it's not happening. People aren't just coming up and loving you and you, you, you do one bad thing and they split. One thing that hurts their feeling. Okay, so that's the first part. Now we're going to talk about the second part of witnessing. It's just important... And it's just a tiny bit harder, not much. Um, if you would like to turn to First Peter, and you'll see what the second part is. It's First Peter chapter three, verse fifteen. First Peter chapter three, verse fifteen. And it says, "But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord, always as Lord. Always be prepared to give an." answer to someone who asked you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always, always be prepared if somebody says, what makes you different? Be prepared to give an answer. The second part of witnessing is giving an answer. We call that from the navigator course we Beverly and I took years ago, we call it memorizing your personal testimony. And that's very, very important to memorize your personal testimony. In other words, when somebody says, Why are you different? What are you going to say? Are you going to go on and on and on? Or are you going to say, oh, That's a pretty good answer? Oh. <laughs> or are you going to be ready? Are you going to be prepared? Just give your personal testimony. And to give your personal testimony, you'll learn it's got to be five minutes or less. We, in Owasso, we had a ministerial organization, and each week, each month, we would go to a different church, and the pastor of that church had to give a personal testimony. What, What led you to Christ? Why did you come to know Christ as your Savior? How did it change your life? And we were in a pastor of a very liberal church. And he had never even thought about his personal testimony. And he started out with a church out in California. His first church. He told us about the sanctuary. He told us about the, the house he lived in out there. He told us about the lay leader. And I don't think he liked him very well. Then we went to Boston, the second church. And he talked about that church for about three or four minutes. Then he went to his third church, and then his fourth church. About 10 minutes into it, I was... Oh, I was trying to sleep, but he kept on talking, and he kept me awake. Then he went on and on and on and on at a half hour. Not, nobody was listening. At about 35 minutes, he said, and in conclusion, well, it took him five more minutes to do the conclusion part. Good. Boring! Oh my goodness, I was bored with that. And if you take 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes to do your personal testimony, people will not listen to you anymore. They'll they'll be right there looking at you face to face, but they'll be way over here doing something. You've seen people like that. You just lost. And that's what happens when we don't have a personal testimony ready. Our neighbor asked me once. He said, Cal, why did you why did you resign from Adidas? It's an amazing job. And go into the ministry in this small church that they were trying to close that only had 13, 15 people when we went there. Why did you do that? What's the matter with you? I didn't tell him what I was smoking. I just told him. <laughs> I told him it, it was okay. I, I gave him my personal testimony in three to four minutes it takes me. And uh, he said, okay. Didn't go on. He didn't ask any more questions. Probably thought I'd asked too much already. Didn't expect that answer. But so it, sometimes when you give it, it has to soak into somebody for two, three, four months, a year. And they'll come back at you and ask for more. Well, what about this? You said this. What about this? Why are you so kind? Why are you not judging me? Why are you so joyful? You've been having coffee with me for 10 years. Why are you so patient with me? Why do you make the right decision most of the time? telling you the world is watching you every step you take. And and you are a light to the world because you're different than the world as you walk with Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's all there is to it. You are different. and They're watching you, sometimes just to criticize you. They love to criticize you. Did you see what he did? Do you know that, yeah, Mr. Goody Goody goes to church, but did you know that Sometimes they just want to criticize you, but the world is watching you. And Jesus says in Matthew 5, 14, you are a light for this world. When you walk in love, it's like you're shining bright and people can't take their eyes off you. They'll walk by you and just kind of look and and, and, and look all they can just to see what's going on in you. When you are a joyful person, in the midst of trials, people are going to look at you. And then if they say, what makes you different, what are you going to say? Do you have a personal testimony? Can you do that? And it should be memorized. You don't have to do the same one every time, but at least have a form that you go to. If you don't have it memorized, you will give it all. I'll guarantee you that people are going to ask you, what's different about you? How would you respond? How would you tell them what Christ has done in your life? This is the second part of witnessing. There's only two parts to witnessing. One, walk in the fruit of the spirit. Number two, have a personal testimony ready. And the second, as important, is as important as the first. We had a man in our church in Owasso, an elderly man, Elderly is older than me. <laughs> I, I'm not there yet, thank you. I know, I know that's what you were thinking. I know that I appreciate that. And he said, and he was at a Bible study, and I was trying to teach this. And he said, well, my testimony is the way I walk. I work for the sheriff's department, for the police department at Owasso. And he said, they know that I don't swear. And when they swear around me, they apologize. So, you know, that's walking in the spirit, yes, but he he said, I I don't have to have a personal testimony. My testimony is in the way I walk. Well, it is, yes, but it's also in what you say. What's so important to you? What made you the way you are? Let me give you a couple suggestions in in, in telling your story, telling your personal testimony. There's three parts. Before, before, You knew Christ. Now, some of you have known Christ since you were six years old. I will address that in a minute. And how, what you thought had to change in your life, and afterwards, how that change made made a difference in your life. Three parts to a personal testimony. And it's got to be five minutes or less. And you don't use church words like, I came, went to the altar. (laughs) What's an altar? I was saved. Saved for what? Uh, I, I was a sinner. Well, you mean you did more bad than good? I mean, they interpret it differently. So you don't use church words when you're giving a personal testimony. I'm going to give you my personal testimony and, uh, and then just the short version of it. And you'll see how it kind of fits together. First of all, before I was saved. I lived in a cement block house with a cement floor, and there were eight of us. lived in this house. There was a it was built to be a garage, but uh, never I never saw a car in that building. It was always eight people. It was one bathroom, and they, all eight of us would line up to go to school or to go to church in the morning. And uh, I was the tallest in the family at that time, so I was number eight, way back there. I couldn't tell whether I shaved or not. I couldn't tell whether my hair was even going. But one thing that embarrassed me about walking or living in that environment was the cars we drove. They were pieces of junk. My dad was a good mechanic. He kept them running. But they were so embarrassing. We never had a new car. And it just embarrassed me. In fact, we had one car when I was in high school dating that had a heater in it. One car. And we only had that car for about a year. Now living in Michigan without heater in a car, trying to date somebody, doesn't work real well. I mean I was I was dating this this amazing, amazing woman. She was just i I'm sorry, I'm, oh that was you. <laughs> and trying and trying to kiss your girlfriend goodbye. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not that. Real. I was embarrassed with the cars we drove. And so I thought to myself, through a couple incidents, when I grow up, I'm going to buy a new car. Nobody, nobody's ever going to laugh at me with the cars I drive. That's how shallow my life was. And so I started with Adidas. Adidas is a Germany, German company, so I bought Mercedes Benz. Real expensive car. It was used, but it was beautiful. Uh, two years later, I bought my second Mercedes Benz. And it was brand new. It was bright orange. The car had a telephone in it. And it wasn't one of the you had a tiny telephones like did. I mean, this thing was a telephone. you pick up you dial. You know, it was worthless. But, uh, cost, but the car and the house payment were about <coughs> four times. The car and the telephone were about four times what my house payment was. But I could afford it. Two years later, I bought a brand new car. It was Mercedes, and this time I paid cash for it. I had that car for two days. I was driving to Detroit to call on an account, and I just wasn't as excited as I thought I should be. I thought, I have made it. I'm 31 years of age. I've made all my worldly Mm -hmm. goals. I have made it. And it didn't hit me like that. And I thought, what's wrong? What's wrong with me? And I remember a verse from Sunday school that said, do not lay after yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Lay after yourself treasure in heaven. All I was doing was treasures on earth and they were not going to satisfy me. I knew that. Without stopping the car, I knew what I had to do. I did not want to do it. I did not want to give my life to Christ. I did not want all those rules. I did not want people telling me what I could do and what I couldn't do. I knew that was going to be the only answer to find fulfillment in this life. So I asked God to forgive me for the bad things I've been doing in my life. I asked Jesus to be Lord of my life, to come into my heart. And I'm telling you, I can tell you exactly where I was on the road on I-96 going towards Detroit. I can't, I don't know what happened, but I have never felt such peace in my life. And I made a, compa- a contract with God. I said, I'm not going to tell anybody for six months. And I don't want anybody laughing at me. He reminded me about a year later. I said, what about it, Cal? I said, how are you doing? Well, that's a no-brainer, God. I'm sticking with you. This has been a good life. It wasn't perfect, but it was a great life. My, my attitude towards my account started to change. That was about the time that Nike was just coming into the scene, and they were blowing us right out of the water. Mm. Um, But because of my attitude towards my company, I wasn't just there to take orders anymore. I was there to help them make money. I mean, I I took inventory. I I knew what was on back order. I knew I didn't load them up with anything. And just to give you an example of what happened, one of my accounts, Dunham Sporting Woods, Bob Schmals re owned it at the time, and Bob realized what was going, something was going on in my life. Bob was the awfulest man to work for I'd ever seen. He was, he was contrary to everything. But he was the best buyer, the best merchandiser I've ever seen in my life. Bob said, Cal, I don't ever have to okay one of your orders. Write them up, all I require is that I sign them. I never have to okay one of the orders because I know I can trust you. Mm -hmm. And my business started skyrocketing. Mm -hmm. Mikey didn't get quite as big a jump on Michigan because of that. Mm -hmm. Life is good when we walk with Jesus Christ as our Savior. And that's what we've got to talk about. That's what we have to have Mm -hmm. for people. They have to know. What God has done in your life. I went to church all my life, yes. I, I was baptized when I was 12, yes. All Baptists were baptized at the age of 12. But I didn't know Jesus Christ as my Savior. I didn't. And so my life changed. And that's what a personal testimony looks like just simple, simple. I can add another half hour to it. Okay, we've got time. Not going to do it. But that's the second part of witnessing. Number one, walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Number two, always be ready to tell the people why you have the hope that you have in you. Always be prepared. Now that's not a, boy, it would be nice if you were prepared. The Bible says, always be prepared. And so I would encourage you, two parts to it. Walking in the spirit, having your personal testimony ready. For those of you who were here last week, um, the book back there, "Witnessing Like Witnessing for Kimmy Christians, is kind of the series this message has come out of. Uh, you're welcome to have a book. Um, prices are there if you can't afford it. Let me know. I'll give you the book. If you're a reader and you just don't have the money, that's okay. Don't be embarrassed about it at all. I'm not in this for the money. I'm here to help people find um, some of the things God wants for us in his life. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I know I'll not come back again because Mark said I can only only come two weeks, and that's it. So i okay. <laughs> I've been played down by a lot of important people. Mark, you know that. But I've really enjoyed the time with you, and I thank you. Let me pray for you. Father, as we go, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be upon every one of us, me included, and that you would help us to walk and, 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 and look at a neighbor, or look at somebody who's just lost somebody. Look at somebody across the fence. Look at somebody in the line, And just um, focus on being a witness to that person. Not just the one time. But over and over and over and over again. And that comes by building a friendship. Mm-hmm. Father, I pray that you would touch us through your Holy Spirit to find that person and to be able to witness to them. And I pray that this church will grow by leaps and bounds, just because witnessing Father, watch over Pastor Mark and his wife. May they have a safe and wonderful, restful time as they're gone. Just bless them, God, and touch their lives. And I thank you for the opportunity to be here in his stead. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you very much.